Hello and welcome to another fantabulous episode of the OST Party. This is a movie soundtrack podcast where movie fans and music fans get together and have a rockin' good time talking about all your favorite movie soundtracks. Hi, my name's Joseph Wade. I'll be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight is my lovely and belligerent co-host, Libby Cudmore. Hey, I am so happy to be here because we actually have a special guest tonight. And that is uh, Mackenzie Cassidy author of Here Lies a Father, which is out now from Kaylee Jones Books. And fun fact, Mackenzie and I went to high school together. State your name and, and uh, pin number. Mackenzie, <laughs> welcome. Hey, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, we did go to high school together, and, you know, it's been, this year has been 20 years. And I'm sure we'll, we'll get more into that, into the reunion aspect later, but... Uh, I don't think I've spoken or seen you in 20 years, so this is the first time. Yes, which has been uh, kind of wild. We sort of reconnected over Twitter a couple of years ago, and really just a, a chance reunion. And actually, uh, that's the theme of tonight's episode. So, Mackenzie, you picked this episode. Um, tell us what we're going to be talking about. So, we're going to be talking about the, the movie and the soundtrack for uh, Gross Point Blank, which was... Um, you know, a, a 1986, uh, I'm sorry, 1996 film, <laughs> the reunion is in 1986, of uh, uh, John Cusack and Dan Aykroyd. And it's basically about um, a hitman who comes back to attend his 10-year um, high school reunion and uh, whatever crazy stuff happens from that. Wow. Yeah. And you've you've actually been after us for a while to do this one. You've messaged me a few times about like we should do gross point blank. So we're glad we finally got you here. Yeah, I loved the movie when I saw it. I mean, I, it's funny. I was we were in high school in 96. So we you know, I used to watch the movie all the time. But I also have the soundtrack and I used to listen to it, you know, back then. And uh, I really enjoyed a lot of the music that was on it. That's awesome. So I'm. Um, Joe, do you have a billboarding school for us with this one? Oh, you bet I do. Of Hell course yeah. I do. My favorite segment on the show is billboarding school, where I talk about all the billboard stats related to this album. So uh, the album for Gross Point Blank came out March 13th, 1997, debuted on the charts at number 103. Uh, the number one album that week was Notorious B.I.G.'s Life After Death. The top soundtrack <laughs> that week at number three was Space Jam. Oh, <laughs> no, the, the one, one of those albums that's like constantly looming in the in the shadows waiting to pounce on us. We're never going to do it. Um, if we didn't do it this summer, we're never going to do it. Uh, but the, help us. yeah, really, well, they're doing a remake now with LeBron James. So you have a chance to do it twice. No, we do not. Actually. <laughs> we have no reason to do that. I mean, when. In 20 years, when LeBron James Jr. does his version, then we'll do it. Oh, God willing, I'll be Space Jam 3, let's do it. So, <laughs> gross, gross Point Blank, kind of a popular album. Popular enough that they actually produced two soundtrack albums. Yeah. Uh, the album peaked at number 31, hung around the charts for 12 weeks, and dropped off um, in July, where the number one album that week was The Prodigy's Fat of the Land, and the top soundtrack at number two was Men in Black. 
Okay. No. A, that, this speaks to me. This is a wild summer, everybody. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So like, uh, yeah, like we said, uh, the soundtrack was popular enough that they produced a second album, and there's enough there's enough music to support that album because there's roughly like 40 songs in the movie, and the soundtrack the first soundtrack features 13 of them, the second soundtrack features 12 more. Oh boy, and it also this one came out the same year as Romy Michelle's High School Reunion, so you had sort of like a his and hers. Yeah, kind of. And, yeah. And that also had the. Um, the two soundtracks. So I guess screenwriters were just all getting invites to their 10 year reunions. <laughs> yeah. Just going crazy about it. So Mackenzie, you said that you yeah. used to watch this one a lot. Did you see it in theaters? Did you see it at the park theater? <laughs> no, I actually didn't. I, I, I don't, I don't, I probably, it was probably a rental. I used to go and rent movies a lot from whatever our local uh, video store was. Victory um, video, you know? Yeah. Victory video. Uh, there was another big one that I can't remember. That was, um, that was it, open for a while next to Burger King. Yeah, they shifted to Video Central. Yes, yes. Like, and there was also the movie counter at Price Chopper. Yeah, the, the Price Chopper one was li- – I forgot about that. That was pretty limited, though. <laughs> yeah, I remember they had uh, – and the band played yeah. on, which I used to look at because Matthew Modine was a babe. But I never <laughs> rented and to this day have still never seen it because it looks boring. Yeah, you, you never just, know for sure. Yeah distinctly remember that cover in the back corner of the produce of what is now the produce section of our local grocery store. So, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I watched, I watched the movie. I probably rented the movie. And then of course the, the CD was one of the ones that I got from one of those like mail away, like 10, 10 CDs for a penny. Don't say Ooh, that they're yeah. going to come for you now. They've been looking for me for years, but you know, they, they can't find me. They, they might even send dog, the bounty hunter after me. I don't know. <laughs> He's but they're not your area. You have to be careful. He is. He's right near. He's yeah. He's not far from me. I've been following it. The story. Trust me. But um, yeah. So I got you know it's like ten CDs for a penny, and then you just never continue with the with the subscription. So I got you know Gross Boy Blank, and that's where I got my like my Batman Forever soundtrack. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, I was a big soundtrack guy because I watched a lot of movies, so I always got I always like to get the soundtracks. I, I don't know. And that's so crazy because you and I ran in different circles. We weren't like yeah. blood enemies, but oh. we, weren't, we weren't. Like the Capulets and the Montagues? Yeah, it wasn't no. like that. It was just we just never, like, we just ran in different circles. Um, like the Jets and the Sharks. Yeah. <laughs> well, there were, no, there was a couple of funny things that I will. I mean, I don't know if this is the point in the show when you want to reminisce, but um, we were in the same driver's ed class together. You were. If you recall that. And so I was there, I think, the first time you drove onto the highway in a car. Yes, and it was very nerve-wracking, and I probably haven't done it since. Yeah, I think you panicked a little bit, if <laughs> I, I can did. recall. I yep. still don't like driving. I have not changed a <laughs> bit. Also, I was probably wearing platforms, and oh. it was a lot like Clueless. Like, I'm trying to drive <laughs> on platforms. And Should I leave a note? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah. No, it's true. Uh, Clueless is another great soundtrack too. That's another. I think I had that one at one point. So I was just I was a collector of soundtracks. I, yeah. I never really bought albums. I just bought soundtracks. Yeah, and I I wish I had known no. this. You and I would have been like BFFs in high school. Yeah, uh, no, true. In our tiny high school, because I was the same way. And actually, yeah, we did Clueless a couple episodes ago. I think that was when you 
re-tag me, like, uh, are we going to do Girls Point Blank or what? We thought, yeah, we should probably do this. Yeah, and I think it's because I just got the invitation for our reunion, and I was like, oh, my God, it's like Girls Point Blank. Well, I'm not a hitman, but it's like that. You could. We could go to. We could have gone to Michelle Mao's uh, farm and been like, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I mean kill people for money. Yeah. I mean, Libby's got her own radio show. It's kind of the same thing. <laughs> oh, my, oh, my God. This is weird. Could be like the character, be like, I killed the president of Paraguay with a fork. <laughs> <laughs> we should have just rolled with it and seen who was finally, wait a second, that was 1997, it's gross point blank. Well, that was in the movie too, because then he kept telling people, like he kept being brutally honest and telling people like, they're like, oh, what do you do for a living? He's like, I kill people for money. And then they, everyone thought he was bullshit. So they would just be like, oh, that's great. You know, yeah, because a lot like, of obviously, that obviously that's a joke, right? Like no sane person would just blurt it out like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so nobody believed him until, you know, the end. And then they're like, holy shit, you are a killer. Yeah. And, and we'll get, we'll get to the, the end here in a little bit, but like, it's, it's telling that the one person in the movie who actually believes him, turns out to be uh her dad who he says like oh yeah i'm a contract killer he's like oh yeah good for you it's like <laughs> yeah. <a> solid work <laughs> well and then uh, you know at the end i think he's probably thankful for what he did to protect him from getting oh, killed himself oh, exactly so like he knew exactly how much danger he was in probably oh boy so yeah what what, what we're gonna do we're gonna go through the soundtrack tonight because the movie honestly it's a little convoluted so we're gonna just go through the, the <laughs> go through the soundtrack and tell you kind of what's going on as we get there. All right. Well, actually, Joe, what's your uh, history with this movie before we get into it? I definitely discovered this one in college. So I didn't okay. have I didn't have like the high school connection to it. But I remember seeing it in college and thinking like, wow, 10 year reunion. That's so far away. <laughs> and now we're looking God. back 10 years on the 10 year reunion. And God, I feel so old. God, no. It goes um, by so fast. It really does. I know. And, and, and just, just so we're just so we're clear, I'm a couple of years behind you guys, so I, I still have the 20 year to look forward to. Oh, lucky you. But, uh, but yeah, this is this is one that like I enjoyed it, but I have I just kind of never came back around to it since then. So I'm glad to yeah. have this opportunity. Yeah, I literally watched it for the first time this morning. <clears throat> nice. I have wait, never seen wait, this film for the first time. Yes. Oh, wow. I thought you'd seen it before. No. It's good. No. Did you enjoy it? I did. I really liked it, but I just never, never gotten around to watching it. I And I don't know why. It's everything that I would love in a movie. It's got a hit, man. It's got <laughs> 80s music. There's a girl DJ. Like, this is I just like, why have I never seen this film? Why didn't somebody pull yeah. me aside? And be like, you should watch Gross Point Blank. Um, <laughs> No clue. Maybe Driver is running the local radio station, and she's just play, she's playing the Clash. And I know, you know, I love, I yeah. love her. She's my icon. So no idea, but here I am. So I didn't know that. I, yeah, Scott, I finally had an excuse to watch it, and I didn't hate it the way some of the movies that I've had to watch for this podcast went down. <laughs> I do keep threatening to make Joe watch Meet the Deedles. I have not seen that. I have I not. I don't even know what that is. You're, you, you, you keep saying you're threatening me, but it's really kind of a threat on yourself because I honestly don't care. <laughs> I, I, I choose chaos all the time on this podcast. <laughs> Why true. would I care? It's true. You really do. <laughs> so one day. But all, no, Meet the Deedles has a real ska soundtrack, and it's 
very bad. It has the cherry pop and daddies on it, and it's not good. It's as 1998 as it gets, and the less said about it, the better. So you're, what, you're, what you're saying is it's like a uh, it's a it's a bad it's a bad parody of this album, which is like almost nonstop like real ska. Sort of. <laughs> we were so close to the ska revival, we could have we could have zigged. We could have gotten away from it. So, so what? So th- this album really is like it's it's the cool kids remembering ska before all the the posers picked it up and just just, just ruined it. Yes, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Okay. All right. So Joe, so, lead us in. Okay. Well, uh, you know, we, like like we said, uh, John Cusack plays Martin Q. Blank, a hitman who's going back to his hometown for his ten year high school reunion, and as he's driving into town. Uh, for this reunion weekend, the first song on the soundtrack plays, and it's uh, The Violent Femmes with Blister in the Sun. Let's go to a clip. When I'm a walking, I scrub a stop, and I'm so strong. to this song a lot when I was younger and I don't know if I'm wrong here but I heard I mean this is something I heard to the grapevine I never actually done research on this before but is it actually about the guy masturbating <laughs> is that what it is or did I, someone told me that and I, I, I never know see I kind of just assumed it was so you saying you heard that before kind of makes makes sense to me. yeah <laughs> no, that, but I've never done the research so I have no idea that is going to make what I'm about to say extremely uncomfortable because okay. in 2007, this song was used in a Wendy's commercial. Uh, so Dave Thomas didn't know what the song really meant. Well, I mean, you got to advertise those vanilla frosties somehow. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm done. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, that was terrible. I didn't realize as I was listening to this and doing my research, these guys appeared on the Crow soundtrack. And when you listen to this and then you think about the Crow, you're like, I can't see it. Well, and, you know, uh, Minnie Driver's character, Debbie, says something very interesting in the middle of this film where she's living yes. in her she's living in her dad's house. And she says her apartment was was burned down on Devil's Night. Yes, so, indeed, I did catch that. So, yeah, it, I mean, violent films were on the Crow soundtrack, but this film takes place in the Crow universe, doesn't it? <gasps> like, oh, my God. Like, like, Gross Point is in, is like the Detroit suburbs. So <laughs> whatever's happening on Devil's Night in the city, well, you can imagine what's going on in the suburbs. It's all of this. That has blown my mind. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow, that is really, I never thought about that. That's interesting. So Okay, Obviously, that's the only explanation. Um, <laughs> uh, this song didn't quite do it for me, but um, I did think it was sweet that John Cusack specifically recommend, like, asked for them to do this song, which is why it appears twice. He chose this song because it's just a song that he liked. Had no idea it was like extremely popular elsewhere in the world. Yes, <laughs> everybody loves this song except apparently me. I guess it's a, it's. I mean, it's all right. Uh, I don't hate it. I think I might now. I think <laughs> what it's about. 
Well, it was bouncing around a lot in the 90s when we were in like middle school and high school. And so that back then, you know, people would talk about what they think songs mean. And that was kind of the word, you know, but this song was bouncing around a lot in the 90s. So I think it fit well for the film. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. In my head, it's weird that you say it was like bouncing around because I, I don't know why. I'm sure it is rattling around up there in my skull and has been forever. But every time I tried to think about this song, I thought about that. Um, what was that dumb song? The like the, in Clueless, like is it Super Chunk? Like, the feeling all right? Oh yeah. That song always sort of like superseded it. Like I get the first line of Blister in the Sun, and then it would go into. We're all right. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't explain it. My brain just is full of cobwebs and weird connections. <laughs> so it's it's just red string everywhere. It's Pepe Silva all over again. It is. That's right. So That's the the interesting thing interesting about this this song on this album though is that it's not the original cut of the song. They commissioned Violent Films to put the song on the soundtrack, but the master tapes were have gone missing since then. Mm-hmm. So they just re-recorded it. And according to the bass player, he seems to think it is so impeccable and so perfect that like only Sherlock Holmes can tell the difference. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot explain to you the difference, but I can definitely hear the difference. And I can't. I, I know that like that's not great radio for me to just say, oh yeah, just believe me. But like, it's, yeah, it's there. It's kind of the sound of a band that hasn't played the, their their biggest hit in a couple of years. They're trying to do it off of muscle memory. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Okay. It's like if you went to a Blink-182 concert today or something. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. Which is probably yeah. what Joe's doing next weekend. <laughs> How dare you? Libby, take it away from me. Okay. <laughs> Up next, we have uh, Rudy Can't Fail by The Clash. Let's go to a clip. This was, I think this was when uh, Minnie Driver was the, um, was the DJ, the local town DJ. I think that's the song that, one of the songs that she played. Yeah, okay. yeah. When he, he visited her and, uh, you know, and she kind of kissed him, which was improvised from what I heard. Oh. Um, well, from what I read. Yeah. Um, well, if, if I was confronted by... 1997 John Cusack, who looks like if Clive Owen and Paul Rudd had a baby, I'd probably the same. Um, so do you guys know what a rude boy is? It's something to do with reggae and, and Jamaica. That's about as much as I know. Yes. Um, well, my sister Hillary was super, super, super into ska and reggaeton and dance hall. And so this, I heard this term a lot. I finally like went and looked it up. Uh, as a refresher, but it is uh, a name from the Jamaican dance hall and reggae scene for a discontented and often violent youth. It's a subculture mm. there. They wore sharp suits, thin ties, pork pie hats, the kind of outfits you now associate with douchebags. 
<laughs> or people who live in Portland. So <laughs> douchebags. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I know. It's I don't know anybody who lives in Portland, so I don't mind. <laughs> I do, and I already feel sorry. <laughs> Everyone I know who lives in Portland moved out of Portland. But this song, of course, praises the rude boy for rejecting the status quo of, like, stupid adults in his life. Um, and it's got that great shout-out. Um, not quite call and response, but it's also not a sing-along. Like, all Clash songs are sort of talk-alongs. You sort of shout at them. Um, and Joe Strummer was the music supervisor for this album. We should have said that earlier. Yeah, that, that cannot be... Uh can't be forgotten because like he and John Cusack specifically like picked the songs for this album. Yes. Um, and I really, I like the song. I love the clash. I don't know how you guys <clears> feel, <throat> but this, I, I like better than the other clash song that's on later. I agreed. Definitely. Mackenzie, what say you? Yeah, I think the other one as well. I was just checking the list. It was the uh, Armageddon time. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I, I definitely would like the Rudy can't fail more than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of fun to, as I said, shout along with, um, however, he mentioned something about, like, looking hot in your pork pie hat, and having <laughs> lived through Ska Revival, when I see people in pork pie hats, all I can think of is, are you Tom Waits? No? <laughs> I take off the stupid hat. <laughs> it, just, it makes me mad. Don't be that guy. Don't be that fucking guy. <laughs> I knew so many dudes in, in pork pie hats. I knew way too many fucking pork pie hat wearing idiots. <laughs> this is what happens when you go to a college with a strong performing arts <laughs> too much improv. Well, that reminds me of a connection to Jeremy Piven, too. Jeremy Piven is in this movie, who is John Cusack's um, Nemesis. Old, be <laughs> old best friend, which is funny. That's because Jeremy that, Piven? That's Jeremy Piven, yeah. And so back in the day, he was in this, but even before that, he was in that movie PCU, Politically Correct University. Yeah, he was. And um, and then so was John Favreau. And John Favreau was the guy who was high all the time from smoking weed. <laughs> and so he was going to go – I forget the band, but he was going to go see a band, and he was wearing the shirt of the band. And so Jeremy Piven comes up to him, and he's like, you're wearing the shirt of the band to the band you're about to see. He's like, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. And it, that just reminded me because Jeremy Piven's in this movie too. But Jesus. Um. Um, so. <laughs> the last thing I will say about this song, especially as we head into uh, our next track, is um, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones actually covered this in 1999. So mercifully, we were spared that. Why does that not surprise me? Because we are about to head into, it's 1997, and we are about to head, just dive headfirst into the Ska revival. <laughs> um, now, we've talked about Ska on those podcasts before, um, a couple of times, most recently on Clueless, where uh, oh, no. Joe's girlfriend and <laughs> occasional co-host Nikki dubbed, the dubbed Ska as Boose. I'm not going to get into it. If you want to know, you can go back and listen to Clueless. The short but, version is in the moment, she forgot the word ska and just like manifested a different <laughs> word, and it was booze. Which, when you think of that, you're like, that actually, that makes sense. It sounds <laughs> like a word that a ska person would really be into. 
<laughs> like, it sounds like a very specific type of ska, but we digress. Um, let's talk about the ska revival, because this is crucial to the rest of this album. Mackenzie, where were you when ska hit CRCS? Oh, God, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, I think it was high school. I mean, because yeah. like, we had, like, and, you know, I hate to say this, but I think it was the you know, the mighty, mighty ball stones. That's when most, a lot of people started hearing about it. And then I also think real big fish was the big, um, was the big ska band when we were, um, in high school. Yep. Um, like you know, I, I heard it and I had some of the albums that I had downloaded off Napster. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> you Napster, know. you're a fancy boy. I had Casa. Oh, oh no. I mean, I was one of the original people with Napster back in 90, uh, probably 97 or 98 yeah you know it it destroyed my computer with the viruses but um (laughs) yeah so you know the mighty boss mighty mighty boss tones i mean you know they had a a part in clueless which everyone saw the movie and so that was floating around but then yeah real big fish was big then um and i think there were probably some other um some other punk bands that were kind of floating around too and I, i think some people that i knew in high school too i mean we did have kind of a punk crowd yeah, and name he, names. Who's into Scott so we can go? I, you know what? And I, I'm thinking of names, but I didn't, I didn't want to say them. But we did because we had a couple. There were a couple of punk shows that I remember uh, attending when I was in high school, and like they were local, like you know, local people. Yeah. Um, playing their renditions of punk or ska or whatever. Mm-hmm. That you know, it was happening. I mean, it was around yeah. for sure. Um. Well, my sister Hillary was much more into it than I was because I was super square. Um, I don't know what I am. I was like, was she younger than you or older than she you? She was. She's two years younger than me. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, she was into. I mean, it, the main ones like Mighty Mighty Boston's and and Real Big Fish, but really into bands like the Dance Hall Crashers and like shit that I've never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's that's sort of my exposure to Scott. And it's weird because like I make fun of it all the time because it's dumb and silly. But when I listen to it, I kind of like it. Like I wouldn't yeah, listen I mean, to a lot of it because it all sounds the same. But yeah, who, who doesn't like a brass section? You know, it sounds good. It's cool. Yeah, it's boost. It's nice. It is. Yeah. I, 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 I can't believe you never attended any of like the you know rip off kind of uh, posing. Punk punk shows that we had in Copaskill. No, in I wasn't in school or invited to parties. Oh, really? Super, yeah, I was super lame. I was super not cool. I, I wasn't either. I think we just rolled up to them. I, I I was in a crowd of people that just roll. They would roll up to them, and then you end up there. Yeah, know? Caitlin Olson wasn't gonna roll up to a punk show. We were gonna <laughs> hang out and watch Talk Soup, and then rent a movie from Victory Video. <laughs> that's a great that was a great show too you know see we yeah watch it every week. um <laughs> it's like toxic space ghost um <laughs> and that's that directly links to why i have a podcast today there's probably a very high correlation between space ghost coast to coast and podcasting it's just like yeah we just became nerds they hey hey y'all the first the first episode of Space Ghost I ever saw was was the episode with the host of Talk Soup so it all comes full circle here. My boyfriend John Henson we've talked about that. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yes we can't talk about this soundtrack without referencing and recognizing its place in the ska revival of the late 1990s. 
Yeah. But, so. but also, I think the fact that like this album is curated by John Cusack and by Joe Strummer kind of lends it more credibility than just like, oh, here's a bunch of ska songs <clears throat> that we kind of like. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, so I mean, it's this is this is the good stuff, I guess I'll, I'll put it that way. Yes. And this was, as I said, as it was just kind of coming into the mainstream. Right. This kind of padded it out. Um, although I, in, in doing some research, the Mighty Mighty Boston's have been around since 1983, since the wow. year we were born, Mackenzie. The Mighty wow. Mighty Boston's are older than Joe. Wow. I hate everything now. <laughs> Goes to show you should never give up because you never know when you'll break through. Yeah, exactly. Um, so just think about that. Yeah. Think about that and be sad. Um, <laughs> That said, I did see Real Big Fish at my college spring fling. Oh. So they were we had, we had the Black Eyed Peas before they hit big. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Nobody knew who they were. We're like, Black Eyed Peas, what the heck? And then like three years later, you know, huge. Nice. Yeah, we had yeah. My Chemical Romance open for Green Day. Oh, wow. And um, 50 Cent, and they could not give away tickets. We had uh, uh, Kanye came to Cornell. And a bunch, uh, yeah, and a bunch of people from Cortland, because we were only 20 minutes from Ithaca, so um, a bunch of people went and saw Kanye early in his career, but um, I think I had to work. I worked at a sub shop, so I didn't get to go. <laughs> I didn't get to go see Kanye. Kanye I was making subs. Oh. Kanye came uh, to UNC Wilmington in, in 2006. This was like the this was the spring after his whole George Bush doesn't care about black people thing. They could not oh, give away those tickets. Oh, nobody wanted oh, no. anything to do with that. See, I love Kanye. I think his first, college dropout is one of my favorite hip hop albums. I think he's great. Now he's kind of crazy, but back then he was cool. I think yeah, he kind of yeah, lost yeah, it yeah. a little yeah. bit, but. Um, no, but we get our, our first uh, Scott track. We've got the English beat with Mirror in the Bathroom. Yes. Let's go to yes. a clip. Yeah, let's do it. I do love the English beat. I, it's weird because I grew up listening to them. My mom is a huge fan, which I and my dad, which I would have never guessed ever in the world because my mom grew up in Oklahoma City. And I just can't imagine my mom like buying an English beat record in Oklahoma City. <laughs> How did it get there? Where did it come from? Um, or my dad buying one like in Schoharie County. Like, where did this happen? So yeah, well, that's yeah. We're pretty isolated. Where do yeah. you find that kind of music from outside in the world? Yeah. So, um, but I this song I guess is frequently thought of as being about like doing cocaine off a mirror, but it's actually about being narcissistic and looking at yourself in the mirror all the time. Which, to be fair, I do. <laughs> if there's a mirror, I'm gonna look at myself and I'm gonna be like, look at you. Is that like mirror at the bar? Like the when you're partying, or just mirror any time of day? Like if you're at your house, looking in the mirror. Um, me personally, if I pass or a no, I window mean, that's reflective, I'm looking yeah. at it. But that's in this song. There's the line about yeah, passing store windows and like looking at your reflection, or being at a restaurant with their mirror tables and you're just like looking at your bad self. So what? 
What scene? I'm trying to think too. What scene of the movie was this in? Um, this came. This, oh, this was when. Um, so way near the end of the film, during the high school reunion, uh, a hitman shows up at the at the reunion to kill uh, John Cusack, and they have a fight out in the hallway next to John Cusack's or Martin's uh, high school locker, and this song is playing. Oh, and yes, I, yes, because then it transitions uh, to what? Ninety nine loof balloons. Yes. 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 Which is Which, not on the soundtrack. A great song. Yes. Yeah, it's not on the soundtrack. And oh, yeah, the uh, that guy, um, that guy is like a like a Bond villain, basically. Yeah, he shows up, and and then the English beat was playing. You could hear it playing in the background of like the um, the reunion itself, which was in like their gym or something. Mm-hmm. And he was going to check out his uh, his old locker because he had some joints in it or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which he then doesn't smoke. Um. Now, I'm. Where is it? Oh, I feel like they missed an opportunity though to actually have the fight in the bathroom. Would that have been to like transition the fight into the bathroom and then he like smashes him in the mirror? Would that have been too on the nose? Oh yeah, I didn't even think about that because yeah, mirror in the bathroom. Um, I don't know. I mean, there probably wouldn't be a lot of room in there, right? Because yeah. <laughs> the high school bathrooms are not very large and. Nowadays in high schools, I, I, a lot of high schools don't even have uh, doors on the bathroom stalls because no. of the way the kids are acting. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So, so like it's like a prison now. You got to like go to the bathroom when somebody's watching you. So, just not a lot of room in the in the bathrooms. You know? Absolutely, the fuck not. Yeah. Oh, I, w- I would have hated to be in high school right now. So. Oh my god. Gross. Yeah, no question. Like I, I mean, yes. I guess you could do the scene in like a the locker room or something like that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, it it hits different when it's out out in the hallway and you're just smashing people up against the lockers, you know? Yeah, that's just a bully fight. Yeah, exactly. Well, my favorite part is that so there's a guy um, he was friends with in high school who gave him this pen. Um, for promotional purposes or whatever. And then he ends up using the pen to kill that other hitman who's trying to kill him by stabbing him in the neck. Yeah, I thought that was a, good, a really great touch. And, and, like, and then afterwards, he runs into the guy back at the reunion. He's like, hey, man, thanks for that pen. Yeah, he's all covered in blood. Yeah. So he's gotten this shit kicked out of him. Um, that was a funny, you know, yeah. Yeah, everybody's just looking at him like, what the hell happened to you? Nobody see. Nobody saw it. <laughs> Oh, man. Which is weird, though, because I feel like getting the shit kicked out of you at a high school reunion, like, wouldn't be out of place. I don't know. Like, maybe, like, you fully, like, settle some old score. Yeah, people still hold, you know, grudges this long, especially, you know, 10, 20 years. Yes, I plan on holding these grudges until I die. (laughs) So, I... Well, the the guy who was the, the... the bully, at least they portrayed him to be. Um, Bob. Did you know that guy? Did you recognize that that guy was actually in The Walking Dead? I didn't. That's did Abraham. That's Abraham. Abraham? Holy Dead. shit. Yeah. I knew I recognized him. I couldn't place it. <laughs> yes. And I didn't. The only reason I found it is because I was looking up, you know, the cast list and I'm looking at the actors yeah. and I'm like, wait a second. And I clicked on him and he was in The Walking Dead. I don't watch The Walking Dead anymore. But when I did, um yeah he was abraham wow but yeah like he he was he was kind of like martin's bully right 
back in the day or or am I thinking yeah, somebody else? I think that's the I think they yeah, made it seem that way. Yeah. He just was kinda like the jerk that would like slam into people in the hallway and you know, pick fights and Yeah. They didn't and really then, give specifics. But like and then the he, way uh, Yeah, sorry. He's uh he wants to like do coke in the bathroom and then read yeah. him a poem. <laughs> yeah. So there you go, mirror in the bathroom. So that it, that go. would connect with the, the cocaine theory. There's the synergy right there. That's yes, and I think maybe that was on purpose. Maybe John Cusack, you know, connected that when he was curating. Or doing cocaine in the bathroom. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, it should be noted also that his secretary is played by Joan Cusack in her second appearance on the podcast. Yeah, that's right. She's in our School of Rock episode. And she has oh. that voice that we love. <laughs> Yeah, School of Rock's a great movie, too. Yeah. This, as we talk about Scott Revival, um, the English beat, this is an example of uh, two-tone, which fuses the Jamaican ska with New Wave so that it's more accessible to white people um, and sort of making it more accessible in the MTV era. Um, and this is in contrast to third wave, as we were talking about earlier with Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, um, which brings that like those blistering guitar riffs and those big horn sections. So horn sections are a later addition to ska. I could definitely pick up on the reggae vibe um, yeah. from that song. Um, and that was something that I was thinking, too. Yeah, I mean, like, and I kind of felt bad because I'm like, here's this band that's like kind of ripping off <laughs> these reggae musicians. But um, but it was good. Yeah, it was a good song. Well, and there was a big uh, Jamaican diaspora that uh, formed in the UK in the late 70s. And so True. there were a lot of this two-tone. Um, these were bands <laughs> that promoted racial harmony and had black and white members. Um, and actually, a uh, vocalist, the uh, English Beats vocalist Ranking Roger, died of cancer in 2019. Oh, so it wasn't like a full appropriation of the, uh, no. the culture of the music. That's good then. That's good. No, that was that was later. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I mean, that always happens at some point. There wasn't like a, a full appropriation, but there, I mean, it, it still happened. Like I've I've read it in several places that like the first like real the first reggae song that a lot of like white Britons ever heard was uh, Obla Di Obla Da by the Beatles because Paul McCartney had just gotten mm. back from Jamaica and he brought the music back with him. So wow. you, you, you've got the guys who really who really like believe in it and care about it. And you get the guys like Paul who just want to like take that sound and run with it and so. make money off it. Him so and him and it. Eric Clapton. Remember on the was it back the uh, Back to the Future? Eric Clapton had that weird reggae song. Yes. Heaven Ugh. is one step away. Exactly. Yeah. And I hate that song. And it traumatizes See? me. On the Back to the Future soundtrack? Yeah, it's on the B-side, and it is oh. playing on the radio when Marty arrives back in 1985. Oh, I'll have to look that up. I don't remember that. It's terrible. See, folks, it's we true. hated Eric Clapton before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> we were original Eric Clapton haters. Um, so, I'm... Let's go to the next track. Yeah, let's let's move on. It's probably one of the uh, the bigger hits, the bigger songs off the soundtrack. Uh, it's Queen and David Bowie with Under Pressure. <laughs> I don't think that's 
right, Joe. No, that's 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 the same song. Well, no, if if you listen, there's an there's an extra ding. Then then oh, ding. Okay. It's different. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so no, for real, here it is. It's a terror of knowing what this world is about. Watching some good friends screaming, get me out! Tomorrow, get So, speaking of appropriation, vanilla ice. <laughs> yep. I think uh, this is definitely one of my favorite songs on the album because I'm a big David Bowie fan and I like Queen too, but I think this, you know, the collaboration is, it's a great song. And I loved how it was used in the film because the character was having a huge epiphany of, um, you know, he didn't want to kill anymore. He was at his reunion and he was, you know, falling back in love with, uh, with Minnie Driver's character and somebody else he knew like handed him her baby you know, and he kind of sit there and looked in the baby's eyes and he realized like, wow, this is a human life. I don't want to kill anymore. So it was like a really big turning point in the movie. But I really love the song, too. Oh, yeah. And I like the way that they used it in the film. And it's so easy to use Queen as a cliche. I mean, how many movies have used Bohemian Rhapsody, used Under Pressure? It it become almost a cliche at this point. But this song is so good. And yeah. I get it because it's so powerful, but it's also really warm. But now, since you know Freddie's been gone forever and we lost David Bowie in 216, I just get really sad when I hear it. Yeah, like, yeah, it makes me really sad because like they'll never make anything new. No. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's the kind of song that really does like it makes you kind of reevaluate your entire life when you hear it. Yes. And the, this song was written almost entirely by accident. They just both happened to be at Mountain Studios in 1981 and they just like hung out and had a jam session and came up with this like how wow. it's great. crazy that they were both so brilliant and and that they came up with under pressure for the longest time I always thought this was like a, a one-off song that they had done and only recently did I discover that it's actually from a Queen album called Hot Space. And the yes. reason I, the reason I didn't know that is because apparently that album is absolutely terrible, except for one song. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now it wasn't well received. No. Now, now speaking of Queen, are you aware of what movie's soundtrack was entirely Queen? Bohemian Rhapsody. No. No, no, it's an old movie. It's like a really <laughs> awful movie that I used to love watching when I was a kid. Please, now I have to know even. Oh, more. and the entire album is Queen. Wait, is it is it Highlander? Yes. 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 Yeah, I love Highlander. There can be, there can be only one. Um, Highlander is great. The Born entire album. Born to be kings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the only downside is that the album does not feature Clancy Brown singing New York, New York. <laughs> And I think the other the other one, because somebody corrected me one time, the other album that's pretty much all Queen is also uh, Flash Gordon. I oh, think I did yeah. know that. Um, yeah, so there's multiple movies that had the entire album of, of uh, Queen. We will bring you back to do what we do, Flash <laughs> Gordon and or Highlander. <laughs> Flash Gordon. But yeah, I mean, what more can we really say about Under Pressure that hasn't already been said or like, you know, it's a great song. Everybody loves this song. Yeah. If you don't love it, something's wrong with you. Yeah, what hurt you? What hurt you so yeah. bad you don't love Queen? So yes. I should exactly. do Queen on record Saturday. 
actually, my sister Hillary was really into Queen. Hillary was ahead of her time in being into cool music. Um, so. But I think Queen's having a comeback. I mean, not only the movie, but also I think there's a lot of younger, like, Gen Z that are connecting with Queen. Um, yeah. And it's kind of coming back a little bit. I know. It's adorable. My husband works with teenagers and they'll come in to the center and be like, do you know the song Bohemian Rhapsody? He's like, that's, yeah. <laughs> oh, I really? I never... Well, I think my, my introduction to it was Wayne's World. Yeah. Yep. Me too. That was yeah. kind of the, re- the revival. Yeah. And if it Canada. wasn't for Wayne's World, I never would have heard it. Yeah. So. Because I was like 10. Myers. Yeah. 10 or 11. So I was a kid. I had no idea. Mike Myers, like Mike Myers movies introduced us to way too much good music. I mean, we could talk about the Austin Power soundtracks. We could talk about Wayne's World, but those are for another night. This oh, yeah. podcast is going to be eight That's hours true. long. It really, yeah. uh, we're going to have a second volume of just this episode. <laughs> so moving on, let's jump all the way back to the very beginning of the film. I'm talking like <clears throat> opening credits of Gross Point Blank because that's where our next song appears. It's Johnny Nash with the song I Can See Clearly Now. The rain is gone. Let's go to a clip. It does have a very positive vibe. And and it's funny because in it, it's being played while he kills someone. Yeah. <laughs> I love dramatic irony like that in films. That's one of yeah. my favorite techniques. It's like the best kind of needle drops. Um, Can I nominate this song uh, to be inducted into Soundtrack Jail? Because this, because this song has a, this song has appeared in 35 TV series and 25 films. I oh think boy. that's about enough. Really? What yes. were some of the other films? You're going to have to name them. Well, most prominently, off the top of my head, I can remember if this song was in Cool Runnings. Yes, uh, but that was a different version. It, that was a clip. It was, but Johnny Nash is still credited. Yes. This song has appeared on The Wonder Years, in Thelma and Louise, in Cool Runnings, in Crooklyn, in Mr. Magoo, in Full <laughs> Tilt Boogie, the documentary about From Dusk Till Dawn, for some reason, in the movie Ants. <laughs> In the TV show The Practice, in the movie Deep Blue Sea, in the movie Envy, Me Without You, The Last Shot, Peace One Day, Far, Far Away Idol, whatever the hell that is, The Weatherman, The, the Boondocks, uh, Big Love, The Breakup. Just if you want me to stop, I'll stop, but I'll keep going. Wow. <laughs> Igor, Chuck, Jennifer's Body, Electric Dreams, uh, What's Your Number, uh, Evocateur, uh, just. The list goes on. This song is probably one of the most played songs in all of movies and TV. Okay. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think about where it would have been in Thelma and Louise. Yeah. I haven't seen that. Wow. Because that's not really an, an upbeat movie. No, it's not. Maybe they played no. it when they killed the guy. Maybe. Yeah, maybe they felt good about it. <laughs> Possibly, so. yeah. But all I'm saying yeah. is this is very probably entirely overused. It's a good song, so it's, you know, I get it, but I could go my entire life not hearing it in a movie ever again. I agree with you on that. That's fair. I agree. That's totally yeah. fair. <laughs> it's a bit much. But yeah, like the, 
the irony at the beginning is just is pitch perfect. So I'm not going to begrudge this movie anything. <laughs> Plus, the movie was made, you know, in the late '90s. So a lot of the things you listed came after. So maybe you know they That's they true. didn't realize how it was being overused at the time. Right. So this this was more clever then than it than it is now, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, any any other thoughts about that? No. After after no. I murdered it. No, no we're done with that song. <laughs> All right. While it sends Mackenzie to CVS, it sends me weirdly just like right back to my ch- my teenage bedroom. But the house I grew up in wow. was for sale a little while ago. My house on Park Place, and I did like a little like virtual tour, and it freaked me out. Yeah. It's too much. It's yeah. Too much. Oh, so. that's sad. Not yeah, in a there's... bad way, but I was just like, mm, you can't go home again. No, you did can't. Did that turn into a hey. convenience store? Hey, oh, there's God. a segue. That's what I love about this. And well, yeah, and good point because the next song, uh, "Live and Let Die," played during that scene in the movie where his he came home and his house was um <laughs> was a convenience store. I love it. He comes up to the guy behind the counter. He's like, "Who are you? What are you doing here? <laughs> How long have you been working here?" <laughs> Yeah, like it's his fault. <laughs> yeah, that his house had been. Um, and then I guess Jeremy Piven's character, who's a realtor, is the one um, who sold it, who brokered the deal. Yeah, what a dick. That dick. Yeah. <laughs> that guy but sucks. I, but uh, yeah, so Live and Let Die by Guns N' Roses. Uh, obviously not uh, Paul McCartney. So should <laughs> we play this one? I think we should play it. Let's go. Let's go to a clip. Now, this one did not appear on our James Bond countdown because we don't like it that much. I, <laughs> yeah, I, like, is a wiener. I like this version better, but yeah, it's still not a great song. Yes. And originally, Shirley Bassey was supposed to perform it, but they didn't want it to be awesome. So they just like, yeah, let Paul McCartney take it. The guy that's pretending to be Paul McCartney. I mean, did McCartney this- do the Bond version? Or was yeah. that that? Oh, okay. See, I thought Guns N' Roses Wait. did the Bond version. No. No, they got no. one look at Roger Moore and they said, we have to temper expectations a little yeah. here. <laughs> Make it a little more bland, so let's get Paul McCartney to do it. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Now, this song, uh, not this version, but the original version for Wings, also appears uh, in Shrek the Third. Why? Because reasons. And going back to our first uh, on the fives there, and our hatred for the Shrek soundtrack, I'm also going back again to School of Rock, Immigrant Song appears on the Shrek the Third soundtrack. I assume that Shrek had to send a video of himself and Donkey begging to <laughs> the song. You know, I have to say, I have I have two kids, um, and when they were younger, we loved Shrek the Third. Oh, God. That was the one where he goes back. It's almost like uh, It's a Wonderful Life, right? He goes back and, like, um, if he'd ever existed. Uh I hate to be that guy, but that's Shrek 4. Oh, okay. Oh, my this. God. I've got the wrong Shrek then. I like all the Shreks, but I can't keep a track of them. You know, there's so many of them. <laughs> oh, my God. You too. <laughs> they all blend. 
There, there, there's certain things you don't want to admit knowing, and that's definitely one of them. Like, excuse me, that's Shrek Forever After, sir. Yes, it's Shrek Ever After. <laughs> so, oh God, no. We have, so, to move on. we have to move on, but I, I want to. <laughs> I want to at least let let this be known. Uh, Live and Let Die by Guns N' Roses. This was the first song I ever downloaded off of Napster. I do remember that. <laughs> and now, I, now, if any FBI agents are listening, I will say I did eventually come to own a copy of the album, so it's okay. Okay. <laughs> and I did. I can't say I bought it though, because I found it lying face down in a parking lot in Myrtle Beach. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel like is the best place to find a Guns N' Roses album because you know cocaine has been snorted off of it. Oh yeah, absolutely. There is cocaine all over that. <laughs> I, it was a rainy day. I saw a CD on the ground. I said, "Well, what the heck is this?" I pick it up and turn it over. It's Guns N' Roses. Use your illusion. <laughs> Pop it in my CD player. It's it still works. It works beautifully. I still have it. Mm. <laughs> Very nice. So you can drive around thinking about John Cusack. Yeah. <laughs> and and how much Axl Rose wants to kill me. So, well, do, didn't you have some thoughts about this scene? Or is that the next scene? Oh, You're yeah. Mad- hey, I did. That's right. Because in this scene where he's in the convenience store, he's harassing the, um, the clerk behind the counter. In the background, there is mysteriously, for some reason, a Doom 2 arcade cabinet. Yes, I noticed that too because I used to play Dune all the time. Yeah, Doom's yes. Doom's amazing, and I, I I never knew there was an arcade cabinet, so I went and furiously Googled. They made that up for the movie, and I've never been angrier at a <laughs> fake arcade cabinet in my life. Did you also see there was a Pulp Fiction cardboard cutout in the yeah in the Disney Mart? Yeah, yeah. So so you know as as soon as a, a gunfight breaks out there, that that uh, cut, cardboard cutout's getting blown away. <laughs> Well, then the whole place does does explode that from, too. Um, what was it, the C4 and the microwave? Yeah, yeah. which is a very, like, <laughs> burn notice. Matt Nix probably saw that and went, I'm going to build a whole show around that shit. It's going to run for <laughs> seven seasons. No one will remember it. Hey, if, if it gets Bruce Campbell work, I'm all for it. <laughs> I watched all of it and then wrote a poem about it. My favorite poem is about burn notice, so I really can't be like, shit, on burn notice. <laughs> If if you had said to me, I watched all of it and then wrote a poem about it, I would never have guessed it would be Burn Notice. <laughs> My favorite was the best poem I've ever written. All right. Story. Fair wow. enough. Uh, Libby, take it away. Let's move on, shall we? <laughs> all right. Um, so up next, we've got uh, an old favorite here on the OST party. Here is Faith No More's We Care A Lot. Let's go back to I love it. <laughs> yeah. Mackenzie, you haven't gotten a chance to speak on this one. So I'm going to let you take this. Uh, and I'm trying to remember what – so what what scene again was this in in the film? Let me this, check. This is where they, they show up at the high school reunion. Yes. And they walk oh. in, and this is actually playing – like the DJ is playing this song as they walk into the high school reunion. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean um, – 
it, it wasn't a song that I probably listened to a lot or that I was familiar with before the album. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about it? <laughs> I love, we love this song. We talked about it because um, it was the theme for Dirty Jobs. I said it should have been the theme song for The Shield, but it was a really theme song for, yes. Wait, Dirty Jobs with Norm MacDonald? No, no. Dirty, the, the Discovery Channel show where Mike oh. Rowe takes you into like sewers and says, hey, this job sucks. Oh, see, I never watched that show. So th- this song was the theme song of that? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, just probably him repeating like it's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it. Like weirdly missing, and especially because Mike Rowe is like a crazy Trump guy. Like you are missing the entire point of this, this yeah, the, song. The entire exercise, yeah, is just yeah. like above over his head. Just way over. Um, you will all be upset to know that, uh, as I have just learned, that this song was covered by Korn in 2016, and I truly think that is where the worst timeline began. Mm. I don't think anyone would argue that. <laughs> what year was this? 2016. So that means Korn is like still around making music? Yes. I had no and idea. I know. And doesn't that upset you? Doesn't that make you kind of sad? I mean, I remember Korn back in 2000, but I never, I, I was never really, I didn't listen to them that much. Really. No, because, Some people were obsessed. Like, I, I remember kids with shirts and. Yeah, you weren't white trash, so <laughs> you didn't have a Korn t-shirt. I remember watching a few Korn videos on TRL. Um <laughs> That was probably it for me. I, I had no idea Corn was still around. Yes, they are. And that makes me sad and happy. <laughs> well, they're doing covers of other people's songs, so it sounds like, you know, that's what they're up to these days. Yeah, they're the world's ugliest cover band. <laughs> Next stop, State Fair. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Third Eye Blind was actually just at the State Fair. I forgot to mention that, I think, on our Dirty Work episode, but I had the chance to see Third Eye Blind for free, and I thought, not worth risking COVID for. That's fair. Uh, Not worth it. I'm not that nostalgic for semi-charmed life. Joe, do you have any parting thoughts on, this was your pick on our TV themes episode. So this is the point where the reunion starts, and you start kind of logging the songs that are playing in the reunion, and it's it's like a, a just a collection of like '80s like staple songs. I mean, you got you get uh, "Take on Me" by Aha, you get "Walk Like an Egyptian," um, you get Grandmaster Flash, you get Nina, The Pogues. That's actually that's a little bit later, but basically, all these songs were like songs that they would have been into when they were in high school. And I don't see uh, Faith No More being in that mix. That's a weird choice. No. Um, and especially 1986 was really good for music. So the kind of music they would have been listening to the year they graduated. Um, listen to this. Uh, you had Master of Puppets by Metallica. Graceland by Paul Simon. The Queen is Dead, one of my favorite albums by the Smiths. Uh, <laughs> so by Peter Gabriel. Raising Hell, Run DMC. Uh, Life's Rich Pageant, R.E.M., King of America and Blood and Chocolate by Elvis Costello, uh, Beastie Boys License to Ill, Madonna sure. True Blue, Janet Jackson Control, Slippery Wet Bon Jovi. I mean, wow, it was it was an incredible lineup of music. That's why I was kind of surprised they reached back as far 
as things like walk like an Egyptian. So here is where I turn to you and say, if you're making a soundtrack for your high school reunion, what goes on it? What was popular when we were in high school? Oh, God. <laughs> you know, I wonder what they played since I did, we didn't attend. I'm wondering what if they played music and what music they did play. Probably not, but now we're just going to make up one. Like, what? what is this? What is the gross point blank? What is the CRCS soundtrack? <laughs> 2001. I mean, it probably would be any, like I said, anything from TRL. So there'd probably be some Britney Spears that a lot of people listen. Not, not that I listen to any of this stuff. I feel like Sugar Ray is going to make an appearance. Oh, God. Wasn't that more like 98, though? Well, or yeah, that like, the, like the four years. Oh, oh okay. It just be 2001. It's like a four-year oh, okay. period. So oh, I feel like school. definitely Sugar Ray is, and I don't like it. Yes. But it's going to be there. Um, yeah. Our prom theme, Joe, was, it was Edwin McCain's I'll Be. Yes. Oh, jeez. Well, no, yeah. that, that, so that was junior year. Senior year was um, the song from Ghost, um, Unchained Melody. Was it really? I'm so glad I didn't. Which is so unoriginal because everyone does that. It's like at, at oh, least God. at least junior year they picked like an original song. They didn't just say, "Oh, Unchained Melody," which is like the most you know overdone God. song and those kind of things. Yeah, but yeah, and at least like Edwin McCain was like period appropriate. I guess it was still a, it was a terrible yeah. song. Um, I feel like Eagle Eye Cherry's "Save Tonight" is gonna have to be on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just picking the worst songs I can think of, I guess, which is weird because the soundtrack is so good, but it's just like we lived through such garbage times. Don't forget um, Backstreet Boys or Sync would have to be on there because oh, that was big in, in when we were in high school. Yeah. Um, you know, Britney, Christina. <laughs> there was a lot of, like, um, like boy band slash, like, solo girl sex goddess thing going on. Yeah, and everybody had frosted tips. I did have the frosted tips. If I showed you my senior picture, um, my tips are frosted. I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah, I know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I remember. So, Joe, then I turn to you. <laughs> so I'm looking at, like, the, the top songs of 2004, which is when I graduated high school. Oh, man, I hate this so much. <laughs> the number one song of 2004 was Yeah by Usher and Little John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What? <laughs> Number like and the, the the artists on you know down to the top ten: Usher, Alicia Keys, Maroon Five, Outcast. Oh, Outcast is fine. Hoobastank. <laughs> yes, yes, you're gonna <laughs> listen to Hoobastank at your twenty year reunion. But like going further down, like the 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 song that I see that's definitely getting played is 1985 by Bowling for Soup, and I just I want to oh, fucking God. die. <laughs> I just want to die now. <laughs> You know, I I just I just googled the list from '01 and yeah, Lady Marmalade, yeah, Usher, uh, Sugar Ray. When it's over was 2001. Uh, yeah. So that you hit that on. Really good like graduation song. So uh, he, here's a song you could play for like the grandkids. One Minute Man by Missy Elliott. Oh Christ! <laughs> Christ <laughs> Almighty! No, but I remember. Well, I remember Caitlin's yearbook quote was from uh, Semisonic. It was, every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. <clears throat> Gross. 
Barf. And, <laughs> and then I, um, Lydia Gage and Kara York quoted a uh, graduation song by uh, Hoku, I think. Is that this, uh, the sunblock? Where no. sunblock? No, this was the like, uh, as we go, I um, remember. It, no, it might have been high C, but it was something like that. I remember them doing that at baccalaureate. Mm. So those, those are going on the mix. Mm. What, <laughs> what we're saying is that music in the 2000s was way worse than it was in the 80s. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we're just, we're doomed. We're doomed to walk the earth with the mighty, mighty Boston's and Sugar Ray. <laughs> We're going to find Sugar Ray on one of these podcasts. I fucking know it. Yeah. So, he was know. big. He was big when we graduated. Yeah. Well, I will. Uh, we'll call you back to our <laughs> correspondent. Sugar Ray. When there was one step set of footprints on the beach, that's when Mark McGrath was carrying me on his back. I don't know. <laughs> I'm so tired of this. Okay, no, no. All right. We have to get back to good music. Okay. Because actually we've got a good Yeah, we got uh, uh, another, like the back half of the album we still have to do. Yes. So let's jump straight into it. The next song on the soundtrack is The Specials covering uh, Toots and the Maytals' Pressure Drop. Mm-hmm. Let's go to it. I say when you drop, yes, you've got to feel it all right. I kind of enjoy this one, honestly. Yeah. And another great example of that two-tone sound. Um, although this is leaning more towards what we think of as a ska revival. And yeah, this cover definitely. was released in 1996, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, it's still got, obviously, like that classic special sound and obviously, um, you know, of the original. But it's got that really crisp revival uh, sort of feel to it mm-hmm. that we're seeing uh, come out in the late 90s. And again, as much as we like to make fun of this music, like, again, I have to say, yeah, this one's pretty good, too. Yeah, this one's perhaps, <laughs> as the kids say. Robert Palmer actually recorded this, um, and it, it is a terrible, terrible cover, but I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that the cover of the single has a whole naked butt on it. <laughs> like a naked lady on it just like standing there with her butt well yeah it does there it is yeah, yeah. <laughs> the whole butt I, I want it noted for the record I was looking it up before you said that <laughs> <laughs> and they got away with that yeah so uh, Mackenzie weigh in yeah you know the song kind of like too has like um kind of a funeral vibe to it Real? yeah right like a <laughs> ska funeral <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like somebody died, you know? It's like opening, like, in the opening of, of it. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of sad. Yeah. They're going to serve matzo sticks at the wake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, actually Toots Hibbert uh, of Toots and the Maytals died of COVID-19 last year. He was one of the one of the many we lost. He died in September. God, oh, that is lost. sad. Yeah. I, I knew he passed. I didn't know it was from COVID. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I died in Jamaica. 
in uh, Kingston, Jamaica. Rest in mm-hmm. peace, Toots Hibbert. Yeah. And what, what a great nickname, too. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's such a fun name, such a fun guy. I, I, love, the, I, I love the original, but this, the, the specials covers, not going to lie, pretty good, too. It's growing on me. Yeah, and the specials are legit and have been around forever and were one of the original uh, two-tone bands and had an album come out a couple years ago that's still great. Yeah, and, and we, we talked about them on uh, the Shaun of the Dead episode we did a couple years ago. That's back. right. That's right. We did talk about the specials. I like this one better than the one that was on the Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, it's it's more fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's let's keep this uh, keep the, the gravy train rolling. What's what's coming up next? Next we've got the jam absolute beginners. So let's go to a clip. had hoped to see some members of the jam playing with the vapors on the setting like the 40th anniversary of the setting suns tour recreating their first tour together and of course covid knocked that out so oh, i would have asked them to play this but the horn rip of this sounds so much and was likely ripped off wholesale it sounds so much like tank the opening theme from cowboy bebop that I thought I was getting a commercial <laughs> for the Netflix revival. Wow, yeah, I can hear that. Yes, it was eerie. And Yoko Kano has taken those kind of influences before. Um, there's a, a song on the first album that clearly just cribs from Tom Waits um, on Rain Dogs. And so when I heard that, I was like, okay, I see where this came from. But I just absolutely love this song so yeah. much. So <laughs> much. The, the horns really elevate it. They just take it to that, just that next great level. But yeah, they really just punctuate what's otherwise a pretty like decent like new wave song. And then just the horns come in and just bam. Yeah. Right in your face. So so. I love that. Where were you supposed to see them? Um, I just knew that they were planning a tour. So they hadn't announced U.S. dates yet. Oh, okay. But they were planning a, a U.S. tour. And actually, it's funny, we're talking about the jam here because we talked about the Vapors on Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. <laughs> and they were very closely linked uh, and had toured early early on together. And they shared a manager at one point. So and Now, now this, this one in the film, it plays when uh, as Martin's going into the radio station to like talk to Debbie for the first time in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And she puts this song on as he walks in the door. Yeah. <laughs> Which is awesome. It mess, messes with him a little bit. Absolute beginner, yeah. this guy. <laughs> puts him on the spot and, and asks people to call in <clears throat> if they think that uh, she should give him a second chance. And nobody says yes. Well, I, I love the guy that calls in because she's like, she's like, I had a $700 dress that I was wearing to the prom. And he stood her up to go join the army and become a hitman. And the one guy calls in, he's like, I wouldn't give him a second chance. I'd make him eat that dress. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Do it. Which is crazy because I think my prom dress costs like 88 bucks. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I think she, her dad had a lot of money and that's probably yeah. why he got in trouble, got in trouble to get killed. But yeah, $700, most people don't even spend that for their wedding dress. Yeah. No, my wedding dress, I made up for the fact that I had a very low key prom dress. I was like, I'm a pretty princess. Yeah. 
$700, though. That's that's a lot. $700 in 1986. Yeah. yeah. Not even adjusting for inflation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I have to ask, Mackenzie, who did you go to prom with? Oh, God. I went to both proms. And I asked um, both of the girls that I met during musicals, which you were also in, as I recall. You and I were both in Fiddler on the Roof together. I was not in Fiddler on the Roof. You were in Fiddler? I no, you and Hello Dolly. Yes. I asked both of them from from the musicals. Uh, junior year, I went with Jess Meigel. Oh, I remember Jess. She was cool. Yeah, and I think I connected with her on Facebook, too. Nice. And then uh, senior year, I went with Andrea Kelklin. I barely oh, remember her. Andrea. I don't. I can kind of picture her. Yeah. I haven't, okay. haven't connected with her. I don't know what she's doing these days, but uh, Jess, I think, has a kid now, and I saw her on Facebook. Wow. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I went to prom with Aaron Bates, my boyfriend. Um, yes. It did not go well. Um, <clears throat> he, like, didn't really want to dance or do anything. I'm like, then don't come to prom, you idiot. <laughs> so, and he had well, to go. Well, not to be, you know, I mean, most high school boys go to prom for one reason. Um. And it's not to dance, you yeah, know, so well, they're usually not, they're not going to be a good time. And yeah, I think a lot of the girls don't realize that. Well, but we've been dating forever and he, he was, I mean, because again, he was in college, so he wasn't a high school boy. And he, he had to go to like his grandfather, it's not funeral, but uh, Jewish tradition, the headstone is uh, uh, revealed a year later. So he had to go to that the next day. So we didn't even, you know, like hang out afterwards. Oh. So it was just like, I would have gone with someone else. I could have gotten another date. So, it was <laughs> so it's like, it's like he got stood up, stood up by Martin Blank. Yes. Except that he was just <laughs> there in a rented tuxedo, not wanting to do anything. It was terrible. Joe, did yeah. she go to prom? And did she wear a $700 dress? And what was it? <laughs> Do I have to tell this story again? Do no. I really have to tell this story again? No. You just have to give us a $700 dress. I did not have a $700. I didn't even get the chance to go to the, the rental place to get the $700 dress. Because I asked a girl out to go to the prom, and she said yes. And then the very next day, she said, actually, no. <laughs> and I was too embarrassed by that fact to even consider going to prom after that. Oh, no. So, no, no I did not go to prom. I... Uh, no, <laughs> let's not go there. It was. You played, you played Doom 2 on a fabled console. Excuse me, I went to the movies that night and I saw Van Helsing. It was not a great night. Oh. With Hugh Jackman? Yes, with Hugh Jackman. I forgot he was at the movie. <sighs> so, um, and yeah, senior prom, I didn't go to our prom. I went to Boonville's prom with my friend Jason. Boonville. Yeah, it was in the middle of fucking nowhere. It was legitimately held in a gym. Oh. But I was <laughs> done with CRCS proms. So, huh. uh, yeah. But, so there. None of us <laughs> got, well, Joe, you got, you got mini drivered. You got stood I, up. I was the one that got hurt. Let's put it that way. Yeah, poor Joe. Nobody has a good prom experience. Nobody. If you do, your whole life is just miserable from that. You either get prom or you get the rest of your life. 
Yeah. Well, you, wa- you watch these movies like American Pie, and you think it's going to be, like, magical and wonderful, and it sucks. Yeah, I Nobody just wanted to wear a nice dress. That was all I yeah. wanted out of prom, was to wear yeah. a nice dress. That's why, that's why girls have weddings, because we had shitty proms, and this is our last chance to have all our friends and have a way too expensive dress and to dance with the bonus that we get to boss people around. <laughs> And that we don't have to listen to I'll Be by Edwin McCain unless we consent. <laughs> unless that is a covenant we make between us and the Lord God. I, the I can't think of any other songs from that time period that would have been a good prom song. Like, unless, it was like, unless it was like In Sync or something. No, there was no one. Head I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> this year's prom, prom theme is one headline. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> How you're gonna chaperone your kids prom, and it's gonna be one headlight. That's your prom theme. It's a throw. Oh no, it's, I don't even know what the music's gonna be like when my kids go to the prom. I mean, it'll be like everything will be mumble. Well, you no, know, like, like the mumble rap. Or it will all be what we're listening to now because they're all dressing like us now, and that is upsetting. Because I work oh. in a and I see teen girls looking exactly the way I wanted to look, but was not allowed to dress like that. Oh, like such a. Return of the 90s. Prepare for the 2035 revival of Carly Rae Jepsen. Y'all know it's coming. God damn it. Just get ready God now. God damn it, no. Maybe. <laughs> nice. Stop it. You're both fired. <laughs> <laughs> this is our show now, Libby. Deal with it. <laughs> Moving along. All right. Oh, Which my gosh. Drew would say. <laughs> Uh, the Clash returns for this next song on on our soundtrack. Uh, it's it's Armageddon time. Let's go to a clip. A lot of people running and are hiding tonight. Ah. A lot of people won't get no justice tonight. Remember to kick it off. No one will guide you. This is actually a cover of a Willie Williams song, um, and it was also featured in Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai. <laughs> oh, yeah. And one that I think we, we already established uh, of the two Clash songs on the soundtrack, not our favorite. Yeah, it's low-key, and Joe Strummer's re- really leaning into the reggae. Mm-hmm. He just leans full in. This was the B-side to London Calling, which I didn't realize. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. that. And now, where does this one play in the film? I think it, I think it's a, you know, I think I misspoke. And I think this is the one, one of the ones Mini Driver's playing when he first drives to town. Like, he, okay, yeah. he drives up and he's looking at her through the window and she's playing it just randomly. And then she kind of sees him in the car. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's exactly that's... where it is. And he's getting followed by the FBI, one of which is um, the guy who does the voices for The Simpsons. Yeah. And Gazzaria. Yeah. Gazzaria, uh, who we previously saw. In our uh, mystery men, so, oh, and yeah. Godzilla. He was the, the spoons, and, right? No. Yes, he spoons, was the, yeah. the blue yeah. Raja, and he is in the Godzilla blue. with Matthew Broderick. Yeah, the, the Matthew yes. Broderick Godzilla. Hank Azaria is like the second lead in that movie, and I still do not know why. I think I saw that movie in the park theater. <laughs> I was not allowed to see that movie, but if you want to hear that story, you have to listen to our Godzilla episode. I'm not telling it again. Link it in sad. the link. I'm going to link it in the show notes. 
too sad. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> and not sad in like a tragic way, sad in a pathetic way. Godzilla's <laughs> or... too risque. <laughs> I know it's even sadder than that. You wouldn't think so, you but apparently imagine. yes. <laughs> too depressing. So, um, yeah, Armageddon time's fine. I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, this one I actually forgot was on here until I turned my nose. I was like, oh, that's right. We do have a second Clash song. It doesn't land for me. It, I think by this time also I'm all Scott out. Yeah, and it kind of <laughs> just comes and goes in the film pretty quick. So you you can yeah. blink and kind of miss it. Yeah, and get up and go to the bathroom. Uh, so uh, <laughs> shall we move on? We shall. El Matador. El Matador it is, yes. Uh, Los Fabulosos Cadillacs. Let's go to a clip. Like all fun dance songs, this one is about the oppression and forced disappearances during the civil military dictatorship of the late 70s and early 80s. Oh, yeah. So you're saying it's a Clash song. Yeah. <laughs> Except more danceable. It um, is. Because they're an Argentinian that. ska band. Great. Yeah. No, no I, sh I, I shouldn't I, I shouldn't be mean. Uh, this is this is definitely more interesting than uh, some of the other ones on this, on this, this list. This song is awesome and it's it this one plays uh when bob is dancing like a big idiot yeah is that right it plays there and it plays over the end credits yes what i find fascinating about this one is that it bridges the the gap between the beginnings of the ska revival but also hints of what's going to become the latin pop explosion we're three years out from Living La Vida Loca, which hit in 1999. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so we're getting, like, the first hints of that, and I find that fascinating. That's what I've been really loving about these 90s soundtracks as, as we've been going through this, and we talked about this on The Mask, is I think in part because we all grew up during it and we witnessed it, you see all these little random micro-genres have like five minute periods like right now for 10 minutes we're going to be into latin pop and we're also going to be into 70s revival and now all of a sudden we're all mods and then you know jumping back and forth between all these genres and it's blink and you miss it but i love that we were listening to so much music but it also kind of like ebbs and flows into each other yes like it, it's it's not just like oh we're skipping genres day to day it's like slowly over the course of the 90s we kind of weave in and out of all of these different genres and somehow it all it all kind of makes sense yeah that you could turn on your radio and hear ska one minute and latin pop the next and then just like good old american garbage and <laughs> or you know suddenly... sometimes the band garbage yeah exactly which were great i'm from scotland um or she is anyway so just there's so there was so much going on and i feel like we've lost that so get off my lawn just one last note <clears throat> on uh, a matador this appears in the films savages and the matador 
I'm surprised this this isn't in like a Robert Rodriguez film because it sounds like the kind of music he would love to set a gunfight to. Yeah, like a Desperado or uh, mm-hmm. something along yeah. those lines. Yeah. Maybe it is. I don't know. It might no, be. Not according to uh, the Wikipedia entry for it. Oh. I know. Okay. Now, I, now I'm angry. Give us what we want, Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> you'll get, you'll get Tito Lariva and you'll like it. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, because up next, I'm very sad of what we have to come with up next because it is the E. Cola mix. Uh, Pete Townsend's Let My Love Open the Door, and I Want to Die. <laughs> e. coli. <laughs> <laughs> it's about what this song feels like. <laughs> oh. When everything feels all over, everybody seems unkind. I'll give you a four-leaf clover, take all worry out of your mind. This is the most boring pop song I've ever heard. And I love Let My Love Open the Door. I love it. It's a great song. But this just takes like all of like what's cool and funky and poppy and weird about it and makes it into the most dad rock thing ever. Um, this song is all-star for baby boomers. Yeah. Yep. It has been yep. in Mr. Deeds, Look Who's Talking, Along Came Polly, Red Dog, and Old Dog. And then Steve Carell also sang it in Dan in real life. And for that, you should be sent to the Hague. Uh, yeah, let's let's also put this one in soundtrack jail, too. Yeah. Well, is, is John Cusack a boomer? He is late or is Gen, he Gen X. X. Okay. He's a Gen Xer, yeah. But, like, very, like, it's it's very... He's well, I mean, yeah. Pete Townsend did this song when he was like 40, so yeah, yeah. This is on empty glass, but um, yeah, he's he's a very, very he's an older Gen X, and actually, <clears throat> like you and I, Mackenzie, are sort of sometimes we're lumped into Gen X, yeah, we're actually Xennial, yeah, which is which is a good three, three or four years between Gen X and Millennial. I yeah. think it's from like 83 to like 85 or 86. Yeah. And so we're like, we're like the transition point where we're not fully, we're kind of two feet in each generation. Yeah. And I like, uh, we've been referred to as the Oregon trail generation. <laughs> so. Yeah. Because we were, you know, analog. I mean, yeah. we didn't have the, I, we didn't have the internet until we were in high school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember being a kid and having four channels on the TV. Yeah. You know, I was That's a latchkey kid. Game. And yeah. walking uphill both ways in the snow. I had no shoes, and I walked 10 miles in the snow to school. That um, said, you know? our freshman year of high school, if you walked to school like I did, you did have to go up a huge hill. We were Our high school was at the top of a hill. It was on the top of a hill, yeah. And it was the best sledding hill in all of Schoharie County. I was about to say that, is that yeah. if I ever bring my kids, my see my kids grew up in Florida, so they've never really seen snow. Oh but if I ever bring them sledding, I'm saying, we're going to go to the high school hill in Colbuskill. Oh, yeah, it's, it's still <laughs> it's the, the best greatest. sledding hill I've ever seen. Yes, because it has those like those humps, you know, like I don't know why they built the hill that way. Oh, I don't know if it's natural, but there's all these humps. So it's like you're just going over, jump over, jump over, jump. Yeah, you could really, if you don't hit him right, you will fuck up your tailbone for life. Yeah, you could get real messed up. 
shatter. So, Joe, if you'd like to come up and go sledding, I know a place. That sounds like the most fun thing ever. It is the most fun way to permanently damage your spinal cord. And what's even better is you have to bail out because you'll hit, if you, like, really get going, you'll you'll hit trees. You have to, like, bail out at just the right minute. Oh, wow. Or you'll hit the grove of trees at the bottom. Mm. Yep. That's how I want to go. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm in. I'm into this. You're in. I, so. I don't know how we survived our childhood, to be honest. Yeah, I really don't Maybe. either. <laughs> just like running around in the streets. Yeah. Um, Wild animals. Sledding, yeah, sledding on just absolute death trap hills. The the last thing I'll, I'll say about this the song is that like in I guess some of the liner notes for the album, uh, Pete Townsend reveals that this is a Jesus song. No. <laughs> And and then like, as soon as I read that, like the whole thing clicked into place, and I just thought, of course it is. Oh, I of hate that. course it is. <laughs> Which is nothing wrong with that, but like, yeah, I can see it now. Wow. Now I'm now I'm really mad. Now I'm even more mad at Pete Townsend than I am at Steve Carell. So maybe he chose it on purpose because the character has kind of changed throughout the movie, and then by the end, he's you know decided not to kill anymore, and he's with. <laughs> the love of his life and they're driving off together into the sunset. So maybe he picked that on purpose. Like having a heart to heart with like having a heart to heart with the baby is like a religious experience for him. Like a Jesus moment. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Maybe that's why Kustak wanted to use it because he's like, you know, the character at the end is, you know, transitioned into something better. They couldn't use the original version that isn't crappy. Yeah, I don't know. That's I don't know. It's too peppy and upbeat for that scene, though. So I kind of get it. I guess, but I hate it. I'm not gonna like it. You can't. Yeah, I don't like this version as much either. Yeah, it's not. It's not great, but like again, for the scene they use it in, it works. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you know. So we 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 have to give them give them props for that. Okay, but I'm not gonna like it. They, no one's asking you to. No one's asking you to. But I am going to ask you to, to, to take us home. So, Libby, let's, let's do it. All right. We wind down our film uh, having dispatched of Dan Aykroyd and Hank Azaria and the other guy. And <laughs> save the day, and everything's great. Um, and he's not going to be a killer anymore. And we take it out with Blister 2000, once again, with the Violent Femmes. Let's go to a clip. a baconator <laughs> this song sounds like a baconator <laughs> and then it will give you a heart attack and kill you yeah it's just like now i guess john cusack looked around and he's like you know what uh blister in the sun needs more horns <laughs> is this the ska version of blister in the sun <laughs> this is the boost version <laughs> Well, plus I feel like it has a different tempo. It's a lot slower. I don't. I don't think I like it as much. No. No. Yeah. It's like it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why he would have just couldn't have just picked something else to use. Yeah. They put the two worst songs at the very end of the album. 
I guess they figured you were asleep or making out with somebody or doing yeah. anything. Netflix and chilling by then. Yeah, exactly. You're just out. Did they ask the Violet Films to do this version, and then the Violet Films just said, you know what? Fuck you. You deserve this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're going to make you. it You're as boring. You're not giving us Wendy's money. Yeah. As boring as possible. Exactly. So, And I feel bad that we have to end like on that note, because the soundtrack is so good, and then they just like, they do not stick the landing. And, no. and this is also an, an instance where, like, they name a thing like like blank 2000 because this is like the late 90s when 2000 was all the rage, and even the Violet Femmes couldn't couldn't help themselves. No, <laughs> it's like, but it's not 2000; it's 1997. Just call it Blister 97. Yeah, exactly. Like you think 2000 would make it seem like futuristic and cool, but no, this very much is not any of that. No, it's just dumb <laughs> it's just... horns. <laughs> It's so – I'm still listening to it right now. It's so fucking funny and bad. I love it now. Oh, love it ironically. I, I love well, that it, I hate it, yeah. And was this playing in the credits? Yes. Uh, I, no, I think they they still play the original, like, over the credits, but this is the this is the version that, like, closes out the album. Oh, but it, did it actually appear in the movie? I'm I, I think yeah. This, I don't think it did. Oh, I don't sure? recall. Yeah. Okay. So that makes it even more baffling. Like, why did they yeah. commission this and then not use it? Because they thought, oh, shit, this sucks. And we don't have time to commission something else. You're right. Now that I think about it, no, it doesn't appear in the movie. So like, Maybe oh, yeah, they we said, like, we, we won't allow you to use our regular song unless you let us put on this crappy version. At the end of the year. <laughs> hey, John, we also made this version. Do you want it? Uh, okay, I guess. <laughs> Actually, I'm just I... slap it on the end. As I'm, I kind of listened to it real quick too, and it kind of sounds like a really bad, like if like a really bad high school band tried to do this song. Oh, yeah. God. Oh man. And it just, everybody just wasn't like clicking, and it was just like they they were off, and the notes weren't that very good. Yeah, that's, just, that's okay. perfect. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. It's at the talent show. It's yeah, like a, you know, the middle school band is gonna do this song now. <laughs> it's gonna do "Blister in the Sun" by Violet Femmes. That's awesome. So that's how the Gross Point Blank album ends. Not with a bang, but with dumb, dumb horns. <laughs> that was just the 90s. Yeah. That's... They just ended with dumb horns. Wow, that's yeah, really true. Everyone thought that Y2K was the end of the world, and then, you know, we hit midnight and nothing happened. And we're like, oh, all right, let's go on with our lives. <laughs> oh, we're, st we're stuck with two-tone ska forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, third wave. Well, yeah, okay. Don't make me be that person, Joe. Please don't make me be that person. Okay, I'll give don't it to make you. Me explain Scott. Oh, I I love being the the willful idiot. Anyway, so that's that is Gross Point Blank. Uh, Mackenzie, Libby, uh, final impressions of the Gross Point Blank soundtrack. This was awesome, and I'm really glad I got to listen to it. Thank you, Mackenzie. Yeah, no, it was, it was a good album. Like I said, I got it in the 90s. Um, I liked a bunch of the songs. I used to listen to it once in a while. I'll admit I haven't listened to it in probably a decade. <laughs> it's a, the, I found the album in like a pile of CDs. And uh, and then, of course, our reunion invitation came up. So then I thought of it again, and then I actually listened to it. But I did have it, you know, back in the 90s, and I did listen to it once in a while, even though it's been kind of hidden for a while. But I, it is one of my... Uh, it's it's one of the ones I like the most from the 90s, and I love the movie, too, so it's nice. all good. Yeah. 
Yeah, the movie no? is is the movie's a lot of fun. I, I actually found myself enjoying it more than I thought I would because like '90s comedies are kind of hit and miss, hit or miss for me these days. But this one this one holds up. Yeah, and it's a nice, as I said, like kind of a double feature with Rami and Michelle. Yeah, it's yeah. Just offbeat enough. Mm-hmm. It's like slightly, it's a slightly warped reality. Yeah, it's and like if if Lloyd from Say Anything became a hitman. Yeah. And then went to, went to his high school reunion. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> wow. That, and it was actually, I, I think it was War War Incorporated was supposed to be like an unofficial sequel to this movie. I don't really? know that one. Yeah, either did I. I don't think it was very popular. But Cusack was in it, and I think his sister um, was in it again as his like receptionist. And it's supposed to be like the unofficial sequel to Gross Point Blank. Amazing. That's, oh, that's what I read. I remember that now. That's like he's an arms dealer or something, right? Yeah, he was a uh, an arms dealer. He was like overseas, and but he was also a hitman, and it was kind of the same character. I I do remember hearing about that one now. Yeah. Yeah. I have to go check. I have to go check that out now. Yeah. That's okay. That's interesting. How's that soundtrack? Oh. It's gonna be Blister Three Thousand. Oh my! Don't even don't even tease. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the soundtrack is, is this is a keeper. Like uh, some of the soundtracks that I've accrued for this this show, I've wound up getting rid of and, and selling <laughs> off. This one is definitely a keeper, though. I'm gonna hang yeah. on to this. This one goes in the rotation, especially that uh, that song by the Jam that goes into the uh, the OSC party. Yeah, I mean uh, the specials cover of Pressure Drop is that's that's probably gonna be have to be my uh, my pick for this album. Was there one? Um, was there one that you're kind of taking away? From this, where you're like, oh yeah, I gotta listen to this song all the time now. Um, no, I think uh, you know, definitely. I mean, my favorite probably is Under Pressure, or um, yeah, probably that one. Okay, classic. Yeah, solid pick. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, Mackenzie, thank you so much for for joining us on the podcast. Yes, been a, thank been a you good time. so much. Thank you. It was awesome. I appreciate yeah, it. And yeah. it. It was nice. Like I said, I haven't talked to you, Libby, in 20 years. Maybe sometime if I ever. Come back to New York. We can meet up or hang out or something. Absolutely. I'm going to insist upon it. Yeah. I don't know when I'll be back, but maybe someday. <laughs> you just but. let me know. And uh, we'll have to have you back. So go through your soundtrack collection and uh, we'll have yeah. you on sometime. Yeah. And it was, uh, I had a lot of fun. It was really awesome. Thanks, guys, yeah. for, for considering me. Of having me on. Yeah, let's finish. We got to do something because uh, the thing that says disk space remaining for recording okay. is at 666 hours. So please, like, let's keep talking because that needs to change. <laughs> and I'm very scared now. Spooky. Speaking of spooky, Joe, what's our next uh, podcast? Sorry, what's our next episode? Oh, boy, Libby, I have a treat in store for you. Uh, so I watched the Teen Wolf movies recently. I decided that one of these soundtracks we absolutely have to discuss. So next time on the show, we are discussing the soundtrack to Teen Wolf 2. Ooh. Yes. Jason Bateman. Mm-hmm. Jason Bateman. Danny Elfman makes his triumphant return, kind of, sort of. Oh, wow. I'm here for it. But until then, Libby, where can our listeners find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Libby Cudmore. You can find me on Instagram at record underscore Saturday. We are finishing up 
the shield over on the shattered shield so you can listen to some of our farewell episodes you can also listen to me talk about oingo boingo uh on the most recent episode of discord and rhyme we're talking about dead man's party they were lovely enough to have me as a guest uh mackenzie where can we yeah. find you on the internet um I've also been listening to Oingo Boingo, by the way, on my Halloween, yes. my Halloween station. It's definitely in there. Yeah, I'm I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So I just kind of type in, you know, it's under my name. Um, and yeah, I, I'm all those places. All right, Joe, where can we find you? I'm on Twitter at Cordial Wombat, or you can follow me on the Christmas Creeps podcast at Christmas Creeps, where we yell about bad Christmas movies all year round. This month, we are discussing horror-themed Christmas movies. Uh, we just recorded an episode on Maniac Cop 2. Stop it. Mm. <laughs> That's I used to watch those movies. They are wild. But yeah, if you have any uh, questions or comments for us, you can send those to us at OST Party on Twitter, or you can email us anything you'd like at OSTPartyPod at gmail.com. That's just about the long and short of it. So for the OST Party, I'm Joseph Wade. And I'm Libby Cudmore. And I'm Mackenzie Cassidy. Buy the ticket. Take the ride. Take the ride.